0: So we're continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and um, we're reading from verses 32 to 38. That's page 1149 in in the Church Bible, and in the larger one, 1739. So the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, writes to them, like this. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin Is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong, and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the Virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the Virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better.
1: Thank you, Terry. Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to see you. Um, we're going to continue as we've heard in this little series and I hope and pray it will be uh, helpful to us just as we begin let me pray I'm going to read a couple of verses from chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians um, but they're just there's a wonderful few words that will teach us and help us so let's pray as we come to God's word Paul writes at the end of 1 Corinthians uh, be on your guard stand firm in the faith be people of courage be strong do everything in love Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to look at this passage together that you would be our teacher, that you would uh, speak into our hearts to help us, that we might live lives that honor you. And thank you for your word. Thank you your word is relevant. Thank you that you continue to speak today. And thank you for your promise that the word that goes out from your mouth never returns to you empty, but it always accomplishes what you desire. It always achieves the purpose for which you sent it. So, Lord, we ask that through your Spirit, you would achieve your purposes in our hearts tonight. Amen. Great, well, we're continuing. Uh, we're actually going to focus in on uh, 1 Corinthians 7, just the first half of that reading. There's other things in this chapter on singleness, but we're going to focus primarily on the first half of what was just read. I would we'll just say at the start, um, a helpful book that was written nearly 20 years ago now on this subject, um, this uh, chapter called al Sue. Um, I read this nearly 20 years ago when it was first published, and um, it was uh, um, I was quite young then, but I read it and I found it particularly helpful. Um, but if, you've, if you want to grapple with some of these issues a bit more, then I'd recommend uh, picking up this book. You can have a look at the contents later if you want, but that's a really helpful little read. Um, it's called The Single Issue. Uh, Wellesley's already uh, said where we're going. Uh, we're in part two of a three-week series i taking a little break for a couple of weeks next week and the week after for different reasons. Um, I would just say as we start, um, commitment that honors God. I think last week I slightly missold where we're going to go in the last week. Um, I've done more work on it this week and, and thinking about it. It's not going to exclusively just focus in on divorce. It's going to be focused more on, um, in a broad sense, how do we remain committed to God. And one of the big applications in the following week will be particularly how do we help and support those who are married to those who are not Christians or share in their faith and that's a particular burden for many here and it's a particularly important issue that's spoken of in this passage so we will touch on that. I'm conscious too that last week speaking about marriage and particularly talking about um, physical intimacy within marriage is quite a painful subject and sometimes that can be painful for those um, who've been married who no longer are or where marriage is difficult and so um, if, if last week was a little bit raw, perhaps for you, then I hope that next week, particularly, uh, sorry, on the 8th of July, there'll be something that will help, um, and the whole sort of three series will come together. Um, so sorry if I missold you um, what we were doing with that, but uh, hopefully that will be helpful. Well, I made the point last week that um, marriage is not just an issue for married people in the church; it's a responsibility that we all carry to pray for and support and help promote godly marriage. And in a similar way, singleness is not just the responsibility in the church of those who are single. And by single, I guess we mean those who are not married, um, either contentedly or perhaps longing to be married. Single will be those who once were married, and are no longer married because of divorce, or perhaps because of being widowed. But we need to see that as a Christian community, both marriage and singleness are responsibilities that we all hold before God. And we've all got a really important part to play in helping to nurture both of them. And I hope that as you continue to read and reflect on 1 Corinthians 7, you'll see that the Apostle Paul, and therefore God, because it's his word, is both for marriage and for singleness. And we won't play one off against the other. We won't elevate one above the other, but actually Paul speaks positively both about marriage and about singleness. But I want to remind us where we were last week, because remember this was the sort of three things we looked at together, and there were three commitments, being committed to being content in our calling. And that first time, that first point, we looked at verse 17, verse 20, and verse 24, where this repeated word, remain, comes up. Remain. And it was in the sense of being content with where we are in life. In our relationship status. So it's teaching us, can I be single and be content? Can I be married and be content? And that was the kind of foundation that lies at the bottom of this chapter, which we keep drawing on tonight. And the reason why is because we explored this in quite a lot of detail last week. When you and I put our trust in Jesus Christ, our identity is not found as society would find it in our marital status. Our identity is found in who he calls us to be. We're one of his children. And that's absolutely vital. If you remember last week, this little statement I put up on the screen, our calling to Christ, so putting our faith in Jesus, becoming a follower of him, it eclipses our social situation. So it's more important, it's overarching, but it also transforms our situation. So being a Christian profoundly changes the way that you conduct yourself if you're married, Being a Christian should profoundly change the way that you conduct yourself if you are single. So that, and this is where there's commonality, we can serve Christ where we are. And so that foundation that we looked at last week, we need to build on again this week as we come to thinking about a godly devotion of putting Christ first. Um, So I'm going to look at this tonight in three ways. And firstly, I want to look at what Paul does in this passage as he seeks to affirm the gift of singleness. Uh, Have a look at verse 7. Paul talks here about each of us has a different gift. Uh, Sometimes uh, you might meet a person who is single and longs to be married and they almost make a joke of this game. Well, I clearly don't have that gift. I'm not content being single. Um, Here we mustn't read gift in the sort of subjective sense of feeling as in I think I've got this gift or not gift here is more in the context of Paul explaining that if you are single or if you are married that is God's gift to you and that can be challenging it can be challenging to you if you're in a difficult marriage you think how on earth can this marriage be a gift from God it can be a real challenge to you if you're single and long to be married but Paul says each of us has a different gift and we'll come back to this later But it's through the gift that we have, through our singleness or through our marriage, that God calls us to serve him and put him first. And the reality is that some of us can serve him more effectively and fruitfully married. And some people can serve God more effectively and fruitfully single. Perhaps you are single or married and think, maybe I would be more effective in serving God if I were married or if I weren't married. But we have to trust God's wisdom that as he leads us through the paths of life and leads us to a life partner or not to a life partner, that is God's best for us, which can be pretty challenging if we struggle to be content. Here's a little quote from John Piper, who wrote a book called This Momentary Marriage. And it's a book really that reflects on human marriage, meaning meant to be a reflection of the divine marriage between God and his church. And he said this marriage and singleness both present us with unique trials And unique opportunities for our sanctification, our preparation for heaven. Sanctification is just a Bible word that speaks about us changing on the inside to become more like Christ, bit by bit. There will be rewards for each, he says. Which is greater will not depend on whether you are married or single, but on how you respond to each. Just reflect on that for a moment. If you are married, you will face joys and you will face challenges. But how you respond to it makes all the difference. If you are single, you you will face joys and challenges, but how you respond to it makes all the difference. But come to verse 7, because Paul seems to be, at first reading at least, contradicting some of what I've just introduced to us. Have a look at chapter 7, verse 7. Because Paul says, I wish that all of you were as I am. Which is a strange thing to say Here's Paul He's a single man He's celibate So he's committed To living a celibate life And not exploring A sexual relationship Because he's not married And he seems to say I wish all of you as I am So you read that and go Well are you therefore wishing That all of us were single Maybe marriage is a bad thing Maybe a marriage is a really worldly thing That just distracts us from serving God It's the very issue we looked at last week Where the Corinthians had their theology very wrong But I think here where he's expressing, I wish all of you were as I am, is more in the sense of the foundation we've already laid in our marriage or in our singleness, we're to be wholly devoted to serving the Lord. And for Paul, he's saying, he understands that maybe singleness is not the norm, but here it's an expression of his own experience where he's saying, I am content as a single man and I'm serving the Lord with devotion. And that is what I wish for you. I don't wish that you were single. I don't wish that you were married. I wish that you were, were content and able to serve the Lord in the state that you were in. If you remember last week, Paul wasn't uh, negative about marriage. He was just relativizing marriage in light of eternity. So th- you get lots of stuff in this chapter where he's affirming and speaking about marriage and how we're to invest in marriage. But then at the end, and we looked at this last week, he says, but marriage isn't everything. Our relationship with the Lord is everything. And so to come back to the, 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 the repeated refrain of this language of remaining, this idea of contentedness, it's really trusting that where we are today is God's best for us. Uh, have a look at verse 17, and I'm going to read it in the message version. That's a kind of paraphrase, which is, I think, quite a good reading and helpful to us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7:17 in 7, the message says, Don't be wishing you were someplace else. Or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey, love and believe right there. I wonder what you make of that. Because perhaps you're in a very difficult place right now. Maybe in a place where, if you're honest, you're not content. And it's really hard to hear those sort of words, isn't it? But the Bible's calling us to trust in God and trust in his sovereignty that... Sometimes we're in situations that may not be what we would desire, not what we would choose for ourselves, but what is best for us. And best here, not necessarily in the sense of happiness or ease of life, but best in the sense of the best place in God's wisdom for us to serve him. Uh, The best place for us in God's wisdom to become more like him. Well, why this call for contentedness? Just jump down to verse 32. This is where uh, what Terry read. He says this, I would like you to be free from concern. And then you get this rather puzzling few verses that again seem to be slightly odd. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. They're puzzling words, aren't they? Because it almost appears here as if if a person were married, then they become very self-indulgent as a husband serves a wife or a wife serves a husband. and It divides their loyalties and maybe therefore this leads to people thinking, well, maybe Paul is saying marriage is just an unhelpful inconvenience and distraction. But actually in the wider context, what Paul is really getting at is saying, if you are single, just be aware of the realities of marriage. He's not having a downer on marriage, but he's saying the reality is when a person is married, they do have... Divided loyalties, not in the sense of God as Lord and maybe a husband or wife can become Lord, but in the sense that there are lots of legitimate responsibilities that a married man or a married woman has that a single person doesn't have. And so here he's trying to affirm singleness and see that it's a wonderful gift that God gives to us. And the reality is marriage complicates life. I remember when I was not married and I came in from a day's work you could just sit down in your home if you lived on your own and you could do whatever you wanted you could eat what you wanted you could go to bed when you wanted you could put your washing in the basket if you wanted or not if you didn't want to and it didn't matter one of the the, the great joys of being single is you can have that freedom that you don't have in marriage just in a practical sense when you're married particularly the first year you have this great debate perhaps if you're married you'll remember this where are we going to spend our first Christmas it's not always easy Marriage does complicate life. It's a wonderful complication in many ways, but it's a challenging complication. And Paul just wants to affirm to those who are single, be aware that it's not a case of the grass is greener and all our troubles will go away if we were married. Marriage can complicate life. And so really in the sense of what Paul is getting at, if you're a single person, Paul wants to affirm to you, seek by God's grace to enjoy your singleness and use it to serve him. It's certainly a case that some single people can squander the freedom that they're given by God. Because, in a sense, there's no one, at least in the immediate circle of influence, who I need to be responsible for. There's a danger of a sort of self-centeredness or a squandering of the freedom. And yet, Paul here wants to affirm that singleness is a wonderful gift. And we'll come to talk about this a little later on. But why does he say all this? Jump down to verse 35. He says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but here we have it again, the foundation. But that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. See, Paul here is saying that neither marriage nor singleness is a kind of higher calling. But the foundation is a devotion to the Lord. And whether you are married or whether you are single, the key thing is, are you devoted to him? If you're someone who longs to be married and never has been. If you're someone who was married and no longer is, and that's a particularly painful thing to you. Just a little warning, it's very possible for us to idolize marriage. It's very easy to think that sometimes if I am married or if I were still married, everything would be okay. But that's not the reality at all. And sometimes God doesn't give us our heart's desire because he loves us in his wisdom. Um, I love reading the work of Elizabeth Elliot who was a very faithful Christian lady and she said this, God never denies our heart's desire except to give us something better. Now maybe you're a person who longs to be married or maybe you're perhaps past an age where you feel it would ever be possible to be married and that can be a really hard thing to hear but I think it's still a biblical truth that if God has denied something that your heart longs for it's because he's got something better for you. And sometimes we see what God's best is for us, sometimes we don't see, and that's the wrestling of faith. But if you are single because you've never married or because you're no longer married, I guess a little challenge to you. Would you wake each morning and pray and ask God, Lord, help me to be godly and help me to be single-minded in serving you in the state that I am in? Single people are an incredible gift to the church. They're an incredible gift to the world and sometimes our society and perhaps even as churches we don't affirm that truth it's all about families it's all about marriage and paul says no singleness for many people is a tremendous gift just give you a few practical examples Uh, if you're single one of the great gifts that you can extend to others is the gift of hospitality opening up your home welcoming people into your home particularly perhaps welcoming in the slightly bigger families with lots of children it's chaos your house will be trashed when they leave but the reality is it's chaos and it's often trash for them all the time. And actually just to say, come just as you are, your whole family, into my home. Hospitality is a wonderful thing that you can do as a single person. And you perhaps have more time to be able to open up your home. Maybe prayer is a wonderful gift that you have as a single person. If you're married, the responsibility of time with a husband or wife or with children doesn't neglect the responsibility of prayer but it can put pressure on it one of the gifts of being single is by God's grace he may help you to carve out real committed time to be a real prayer warrior and just looking around the room and I know there are others who are not here there are many single people in this church who are incredibly faithful prayers and being single is a wonderful uh, means to be that faithful prayer that's a wonderful thing to celebrate being single can sometimes mean that you can be a wonderful encourager. If you're married, perhaps you're just constantly thinking about the family with all the legitimate demands that that brings. sometimes hard to have eyes and ears for other people's needs. Being single perhaps gives you that opportunity to have a greater awareness of the needs around you and to be a real blessing to those around you who need your help. Uh, babysitting be wonderful if you are a single person who perhaps spends more time in their evenings maybe on your own to offer babysitting and don't charge people just say look i'll come and sit in your home and you and your wife or you and your husband can go out for a meal reconnect have a bit of time out that's a seriously amazing blessing that a single person can be and you know if you're someone who's got some time and you recognize actually i could just read my book or do a bit of working work at home in the evening or relax but i could do it in someone else's home uh, just go to a family and say, can I help you? I'd love to come and babysit, and then you can go out for a meal. Uh, it'd be a huge blessing, particularly to couples uh, who have young children. Uh, just a few examples um, to try and affirm the gift of singleness. The second thing that we're going to look at is this question, really, which we'll return to at the end. Can I be single and be fulfilled? And to really answer that question, we need to be realistic and aware of the challenges of singleness. I've been helped this week just speaking to one or two in the church who are single and find it difficult at times. Uh, And there's been some helpful insights which are reflected here. Um, If there were a person in our church who is lonely, that would be a real tragedy. It'd be a desperate tragedy, wouldn't it? In a church family, there should not be a single person who is lonely Just think about it though, if you're married and maybe you take the fact that there's always a person in the home with you for granted just consider what it might be like for some single people to come home after a difficult day's work and they sit down at the table to eat their evening meal on their own again. Or think about what it's like when a person just wants a shoulder to cry on and there's no one there. That can be a very real and legitimate struggle perhaps for someone who's never been married or someone who's lost a spouse maybe been married many, many years and suddenly Going through crisis alone can be a very, very lonely thing. It can be tough. What about this one? And this is more a society-fed thing. Some people who are single, who have not ever married perhaps, might say, what's wrong with me? Why have I been left on the shelf? Now that is a narrative fed by our culture. It's not a narrative fed by God, but it's still legitimate all the same. Speaking to some of you younger folk particularly, you can be surrounded with... Friends at school and there's all this obsession, particularly as you get a bit older as teenagers, who's got a boyfriend, who's got a girlfriend, you might feel, well, what's wrong with me? Because I don't. And there's only a couple of, a few younger folk here today. The real focus I would encourage you if you're younger is to invest in friendships when you're younger. Friendships with boys, friendship with girls. And not necessarily focus too much on exclusive relationships with one. Build a healthy network of friendships with guys and with girls. That's a far better use of your time than worrying about pursuing who's got a boyfriend or girlfriend. doesn't make you any better. doesn't make you any more lovable. That's a a really important thing to remember. What about the struggle of fulfillment? We live in a kind of um, sex-saturated society, in many ways a kind of family-orientated church culture, subculture. And both of them, in different ways, feed us kind of lies about where we will find fulfillment. Our culture will say that if you're single and celibate, you never have a sexual relationship, you will be unfulfilled. It's a complete lie. Our culture also says sex is a solution to loneliness and the need for intimacy. And that can be a lie too. There are lots of married people who aren't as sexually fulfilled as they would like to be. And it's very true that marriage is not a cure for loneliness. There's some people who are married and lonely, and we're going to talk about that particularly um, in the final talk with those who are married to unbelievers, where there can be a particular spiritual loneliness that can be a real burden that many will carry. And think too of the, the, the really legitimate temptations that can come with singleness, particularly because we are sexual beings and we have different sexual drives and urges. If you are a person who longs for sexual intimacy, but you're single and want to honour God, living a celibate life, that can be a real challenge. It can be a real burden. But to speak into all those different challenges, I want to encourage us to remember that marriage is a gift. It's not a goal. As if, if I were married, that's my fulfilment. If I'm married, it would solve my problems. If I were married, it makes me a better person or more happy or more fulfilled person. Marriage is a gift, but it's not a goal, in just the same way that singleness is a gift. Think of Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. You'll know the words where God says it's not good for man to be alone. I often think that people can misinterpret that verse almost as if here's a man and he's lonely, so what he needs is a companion. And there might be some sense of that. But a much stronger sense in that particular passage is not so much a man is lonely and the woman is brought to him to cure his loneliness, but more, a woman is brought alongside a man so that together, side by side, they can serve God. That is the sense, I think, in which God says it's not good for a man to be alone. But if you're single and never married, it doesn't mean that you therefore can't be fruitful in serving God, because we still can draw alongside others in a church family and together serve. Here's a bit of wisdom from Tim Keller. The idolatry of marriage that distorts some people's single lives will eventually distort their married lives if they find a partner. Idolatry is speaking of anything that becomes more important in our life than God. And if you're a person who longs to be married and it becomes an unhealthy and unhelpful almost obsession with getting married, all will happen when you perhaps one day do marry is you'll look for a husband or wife to fulfill you and they will fail and you'll be left empty again so just a little bit of wisdom from Tim Keller if we idolize marriage but we're going to return to that final question at the end can I be single and fulfilled but here's a little challenge to embrace and I guess there's not very much structure here and for that I apologize just some I guess potted examples some are particular applications for those who are single some for those who are married but actually Different challenges that I'd encourage us all to embrace as we seek to be a community in this church that affirms and supports those who are single. First one is let's be a people who pray for one another's contentment. Let's pray for marriages to be content. Let's pray for those who are single and not married to be content. Prayers are a wonderfully powerful weapon. And we need to be a people who surround our, uh, others with our prayers in support. Pray too for godliness. If you recall back in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, we read this, the body was not meant for sexual immorality. There's an application there if you're married. There's an application there if you're not married. Because sexual immorality is a temptation for all of us. But purity honors the Lord. Commitment in marriage honors the Lord. Commitment in singleness honors the Lord. So pray for contentment. Pray for godliness. Uh, I guess here, a particular application for those who are single, and I'm I'm quite careful in uh, how I'm going to say this, but be aware if you're single of a a subtle self-centeredness. I'm not for a moment suggesting that married people are not selfish. We are all the time. But singleness lends itself to a particular kind of self-centeredness simply because there are less people to think about at times, and it's easy just to get into the habit of doing things my way in my timing And that can sometimes translate into other relationships. So just something to be guarded against, really. Uh, Here's one for those who are married. This is really important, and this is something that was fed to me this week. Let's not be people who try and fix singleness as if it's some kind of defect. Uh, Someone I spoke to this week uh, with a slight smile on their face said, Listen, singleness is not a disability and we all know that but sometimes we can be slightly patronizing in the language that we can use and treat those who are single as if it is a disability the reality is there are plenty of people who are single and really content so we mustn't assume that finding someone who's single a solution is a marriage partner that's not necessarily the case but where someone is struggling with contentment as a single person what they need is our love and support they don't need our answers and our solutions Uh, I can laugh about it now but when I was in my previous church a bit younger I was single at the time and I turned up and I was invited to uh, one of the old ladies houses for lunch on my first Sunday there and I thought this is lovely I get to meet this old lady Uh, and I arrived and it was this old lady and me and the only four single girls in the church (laughs) she clearly had a bit of an agenda and I could laugh about it and I didn't mind too much but for some people it might have been fairly painful maybe she was trying to fix my singleness I don't know Um, but singleness is not something to be fixed it's a gift from God Uh, for those of us who are married let's try and avoid those unhelpful cliches things like um, just keep praying a relationship will happen when you least expect it Uh, yeah maybe there's some truth in that sometimes relationships come out of nowhere but sometimes they don't but it's just patronizing and unhelpful and you're probably going to get a slap from somebody if you say something like that Um, I think we need to be aware of just conversations. Think about the conversations around a meal table. Often couples will gravitate and sit with couples at meals. And all the conversation can be about couple stuff. It's particularly true when there's been a marriage and you talk about weddings or when there's been a new baby. And there might just be one single person who's there. Wonderful to talk about these things, but don't let those things dominate the conversation. Because it can be quite isolating for someone who isn't married. And perhaps at this stage in their life won't ever have children. And finally, the application, think about hospitality. Uh, open hearts, open homes is a phrase I like to use. If you're a person who is married or has a family, think about how you can include those who are not in your hospitality. Just welcome people into your home. Not just for meals, when you go on a family outing. Gather someone around you, gather some others around you, not because you feel sorry for them and pity them, because that's patronising and not helpful, but just gather some folk who are on their own, perhaps, or don't get to do family outings like you do, and just let them join in with you. Uh, If you're a family, when was the last time you considered inviting a person who's on their own to join you for a family holiday? Holidays can be tough for single people. They can be more expensive. They can be very lonely. Could we open up our hearts and invite people to join us on our holidays? Just a few sort of potted examples. Now I appreciate that was a little bit scattergun, but just as a final concluding thought, I want to come back to that question, can I be single and fulfilled? Here's a reality of every human heart. As one writer has put it, and I like these words, your heart and my heart has an irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired. Well, that's the longing of the human heart, isn't it? It's why we long for relationship and all the different ways that relationships can be lived out. It's why broken relationships, dysfunctional relationships can be so painful. You and I have this um, irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired. Can I be single and fulfilled? Well, here's the amazing truth of the Christian gospel. In Jesus Christ, we have someone who looks at us and just delights in us who looks at you and loves you to bits whether you're single whether you're married whether you're divorced whether you're widowed just looks at you and thinks you're absolutely a delight because this God created you knitted you together in your mother's womb and this God looks at you and loves you perfectly as you read in the Bible Jesus Christ is that friend who sticks closer than a brother and I think the verse could equally say, though it doesn't say, Jesus Christ is that spouse who sticks closer than a husband or a wife can. And that's hugely important because when we have this desire to be loved in marriage, and a husband and wife does not fulfill that desire, the wonderful thing about being a Christian is I can still be loved in the way that I long to be loved. I love by the God who made me. If I'm single, and maybe there's a loneliness that comes with that, and I long to be loved... We're never alone because the truth of the Christian gospel is I am loved in Jesus Christ in the way that I want to be loved. And so friends, we need to be a church that affirms and supports and upholds godly marriage. But we need to be a church equally that affirms and upholds godly singleness. Because both can be really effective in serving God. Both are of equal value. And by God's grace, he will help us to build healthy marriages and to build healthy relationships across our church all for the glory of God Should we pray together Heavenly Father there's lots in tonight that we can reflect on lots of practical things responsibilities to think through uh, lots of challenges to perhaps become more aware of maybe the joy and gift of singleness to be more appreciative of But I want to specifically pray for the final thought that we had together this evening. Thank you that that irresistible desire we have to be irresistibly desired is found in the gospel in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we're never alone in marriage or in singleness because we're so perfectly loved by the God who made us. Please teach us and help us to find our fulfillment and our satisfaction not in our marital status but in our relationship with you. Thank you that you're the God who knows us intimately, who loves us perfectly. And please teach us and help us to be people who find our joy and our identity and our satisfaction in our relationship with you. And Lord, whether we're married or whether we're single, whether a marriage is ended or whether it continues, we pray that you would help us to be individuals and a church family that honors you in our relationships. Help us to be content in the state that we are in. And we pray that you would help us to be a church that lives out our relationships for the glory of Jesus
0: Christ. Amen.